Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. This is season one, episode 12, and today we're talking with Barbara Provost. No stranger to hard work and challenges, the founder of Purse Strings, Barb has leveraged her strong experience, active research, and continuous data gathering activities to solve a problem. She found that women are consistently overlooked by insurance and financial institutions to the tune of leaving a possible $14 trillion of untapped sales on the table. Not only is this buying power being ignored for lack of tailoring to women, this powerful demographic is underserved and underplanned for their financial future. With that sole purpose in mind, Barbara developed expertise on what these institutions need to reach and engage women, creating the first empowerment, education, and training tool to earn the vast spending power of the female dollar. In addition to purse strings, Barbara Provost is president of Provost Consulting, Inc. She and her team have decades of experience working with insurance and financial organizations, developing training programs that make learners competent and confident in the work that they do. She believes when those who work within organizations are able to perform their their roles at top performance, the whole organization is successful. So I am so glad to have you today with us, Barb. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So I always like to tell people how I'm connected to the guest. And I feel like we just met. Um, And it was just like, that was that. I even went back through our messages and it was like, we just connected and we became friends. And then that was that, you know, it's (laughs) one of those things where it wasn't so much that uh, we met at a conference. No, it wasn't so much that, you know, we do have a lot of common friends. So I do think that that's, but it's funny how life works out. And I have to tell the listeners that I would not trade our friendship um, for anything. You have become an amazing confidant and you are wonderful and just become a blessing in my life. So I want people to know I'm really, really grateful. Really grateful. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Wonderful. I have been looking forward to this chat today because I would appreciate it if you gave us sort of an insight to how you started this journey, this mission on financial fearlessness, because this idea of pioneering for women, your overall expertise in the women's market is really second to none than some of the people that I've seen out there. You have a lot of research behind what you do. Yeah. Uh, Well, my background is I'm an adult educator, so I don't sell any financial products or services, but I've been working in the financial industry for 25 plus years designing and developing education for lots of different large organizations around onboarding, uh, sales training, product launches, change management, all of that. So I've been in the industry for a long time. I noticed very early on how the industry was really overlooking women. I could see it in the sales processes were not um, how women purchased products. I could see that there were not enough women in the as agents, and typically 99% of them were male. Um, I could see in the marketing materials, they were geared towards the happy family, which is not always the case. So many, many times I'd go back to management and say, wow, I think we're missing the female market here. I think it's something that we really need to address. And oftentimes I was dismissed 
and told that they have a handle on what they need to do. So um, I think I was too early in my career uh, with this message, um, but I had my eye on it the whole time I've been in the industry. And that's how I first really realized that the insurance and financial industry was really overlooking a very powerful market. You know, it's so interesting that you said that the way you you shared it, because I also have been in financial services since I was 19 and I'm 48. So it's been a minute. (laughs) And do you know, I remember being at conference, like the conference table. I was always the only woman. And Uh I guess at the time, we sort of got uh, that part of it taken out of us that that wasn't weird. Like it was such uh, an honor to be invited to the table, right? Not that I was actually smart and knew what I was doing. And as I progressed through, you know, going working in financial services, I, like you, would look through and think, why is there no material here for the women? Or I left working in uh, an insurance office. I started working in an estate planning office and it was no different. It was right. no different in the estate planning office. And yet you and I both know that the likelihood that that woman was going to be the person holding the money at the end of it, oftentimes that estate planning office never invited the women right. to the planning meetings. If they did, it was asking her, I remember being in the meetings and asking me questions like, how much money did she think that they needed for groceries, parties, parties yeah. for the year? <laughs> yeah. I remember very, that being a question. It was so. Very trite. So trite. And yeah. so I, I just, uh, and I remember being, uh, and again, having that feeling of, oh, we should be, you know, honored that we got invited to a meeting. Right. And so. Right. It's just such an enormous oversight in, in such a, a male-dominated space. And I think, I think we're starting to see some trending where men are getting smarter to, we need to invite the women because they understand that. And I think the women are being a little more aggressive and saying, you should invite me, but I still see such a lag in financial services in that space, right? Yeah, there's really an inequality and an inequality around the balance of information and input to decision-making in the organization when there are not enough women at the table. Um, The other piece of um, my research was that I went through divorce about five years ago, and I was with a group of very bright, smart, educated women who were saying things like, I'm not quite sure of the cash flow in my household. I'm not quite sure exactly what my spouse makes. I'm not quite sure if we do have a life insurance policy. And I was just really amazed that there was such a lack of knowledge about uh, the finances in the household. So um, I tested that assumption around, boy, are women really prepared for their financial future? So I actually commissioned a researcher Mm -hmm. and said to her, go back and do some research on, first of all, insurance and financial services, and if they're serving women, and then also, how are women um, prepared for their financial future? Because I had so many assumptions and so many observations, and I really wanted to validate it with deep research. And it came back that, um, and this is a quote from a Boston um, consulting group study that did a, a big study, and it was in the Harvard Business Review that said, the insurance and financial industry wins the award as being the least sympathetic to women. And on the other side, women are not at all prepared for their financial future. So here I could see a huge void. Women were not prepared. 
They feared um, and did not trust the insurance and financial industries, and yet the financial industry um, was not serving women. And that's led to the creation of purse strings. That's unbelievable. I want you to talk a little bit about, well, a lot about purse strings, but what specifically got you into this area of providing resources and creating trained professionals working with women? I mean, the why women conversation, right? I get it a lot. I mean, people, it's, it's easy for us as women to say, oh, of course, because we're women. But that's not the reason why I started Females in Finance. I didn't start it because I was a woman. I saw an inequity Yes, the representation and we're trying to gender neutralize a little bit because my project is not about man poo-pooing as you and I both know. And I think you're the same way as what you're describing because I think people see you as a woman and think, oh, naturally because she's a woman. But I don't think that's why you did it. No, no. So, um, and this is the very first question I answer on my website, on the Purse Strings website is why women? And a lot of that is because women have different needs. You know, I have this analogy of the number one killer of women is heart disease. And the reason for that is because when they studied heart disease over the years, they studied white men and they came back and said, oh, well, the, um, when, a, when a male comes in and says, you know, they have a pain down their left arm and they have, you know, a, a crushing um, chest and, you know, they're, they drop to the floor, they're, they're having a heart attack. So when women would go in and say, gosh, you know, I just don't feel well. I have a pain in my jaw. I have the pain in the back of my neck. They'd say, well, you're stressed. You need to go home, put your feet up or have a glass of wine or take this pill. Or here's an anti-anxiety pill. Yeah, exactly. And what would happen is women would go home and they'd be having a heart attack. So they would die. And to this day, the number one killer of women is heart disease. And the reason for that is because they took all the data from how men uh, were Uh, perceived to have a heart attack and applied it across a broad brush to women. And I say that because that happens in financial services as well. They have a broad brush. They never ask specifically about what are the needs of women. And the needs of women are so very, very different when it comes to financial planning because they live longer. They're often out of the workforce because they're taking care of children or they're taking care of a sick um, child or maybe an aging parent. Um, They are if they're out of the workforce, they're not getting the benefits that you get when you're working in terms of 401k, retirement, pension, any of that, insurance. When um, you know the 50s hit or whatever the age most ages are when divorce happens, um, you know they get divorced and their um, their income goes way down, um, and their potential to to earn is down if they've been out of the workforce. They're going to age alone, and when they're alone, what do they need? More oversight, health care, more money uh, to help them go, th- go through their elderly years. So that's why we really need to look at women and serve them now to prepare for their financial future and provide the right products and services for them. Um, and that's just women in general, but we could talk about the need for you know entrepreneurs like us and getting funding. Um, funding for entrepreneurs is minimal. It's 1% um, that goes to women entrepreneurs, and less than half of that goes to African-American entrepreneurs. That's going to say it's even less as you get to people of color. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's an inequity across the board uh, for, for whatever reason. I don't know, but we are the ones that are trying to bring it to light and provide the resources for women and provide information, knowledge, and skill to the insurance and financial industry and what they can do to better serve the female market. You know, and that leads you to wonder about financial education. 
as you talk about that, right? So I'm not fond of the term financial literacy programs. I see them on websites mm-hmm. and I immediately, I, I don't like it. And they're directed towards women. And I don't think women are illiterate. I think they need financial support. I think they need financial education, but you don't know what you don't know. So it's not that you're illiterate. You're just right. not aware, right? So what are your thoughts around this? Because I know I've heard the argument, oh, Cheryl, it's tomato, tomato, but it's not. I agree with you. I, I don't think it's around. Um, illiteracy is a very strong ne- negative connotation. What I, as an adult educator, say, you know, adults come to the table and learn what they need to know when they need to learn it. Um, on the Purse Strings website, we have life and money guides, which are just one topic at a time that really explains in deep detail what's needed to, to be able to go buy those products and services. So I don't sell them, but I'm arming women with what I say is knowledge and skill to go have those conversations. So for instance, if you need to go buy an auto uh, policy, you might want to download that guide just to know what's the terminology they're going to use, what are some of the numbers that I need to be aware of, how do I know how much insurance I need, how much should I expect to pay for it, and that way you're armed with the information to go have that conversation. Now, you don't need to know that every single day of your life. You need it when you need to go buy an auto policy, same when you're buying a homeowner's policy or a life insurance policy. So uh, learners come to the table or reach out for resources when they need to use them and make some decisions around that topic. Yeah, and I like the idea that you have a guide around each of what would be those lifestyle or life-changing moments. As somebody who I went through a divorce you know, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And it was, I was married a long time. I was married 25 years. Yeah. And so one of the things that, and I wrote about that in an article and you and I had had lots of conversations privately about what I did and didn't know. And even working in financial services, I still allowed my ex-husband to manage, you know, he mm-hmm. was getting the paycheck. I really didn't have, I literally was left with nothing. I mean, I, I woke up one day from having a life and a home and this and that to having absolutely all of it taken away. And it was um, a wake up call. And I think yeah. it's a good way too, because it provided me a voice now to right. talk to women very differently. I was not Pollyanna-esque about anything anymore. And uh, you know, you were one of those first people that really stepped up and said, okay, let's take a look at this. What have you got? What can we do to you know get you on a yeah. path to, to fixing things? And so I think that you're you gave me the exact advice that you would have and it's worked. I can tell people that honestly on the call, the stuff that Barb told me right off the bat, I've been, you know, been working on and putting those, those uh, in place. So I think that you're providing excellent resources and advice to people out there. So I hope they go out to your website and look that up. Um, who are the individuals that you're looking to partner with for purse strings? So what is the ideal purse strings candidate of someone either through people looking for resources that you offer and or partnering with you to offer the resources through their, their venues or their, their organizations? Right. So um, any women can go to purse strings and access the information. It's free. It's a free site. Um, They should sign up for my newsletter so they get a monthly kind of heads up of what's going on. And, you know, my target market was women like us who went through divorces or women who've lost their spouses and really kind of had a deer in the headlights kind of moment and needed to regroup. Also, I look to women like my daughter, who's a college graduate and now in in, um, 
getting her master's. And um, I want her to be in front of all of this and make sure that she knows now what are her resources and tools? What is it that she needs to know going into the next stages of her life? So women of any, um, any need, any place in their life can go to uh, take our uh, life and money guides and take a look at those and, and use that information. But on the other side, what we do is we educate insurance and financial professionals on how to reach, engage, and earn the female dollar. So I've done a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, held focus groups with women um, around what they want from financial services and put together a first of its kind education for the insurance industry and financial industry that teaches them where they're going wrong and what they need to do differently. And you see so much of this starting to pop up now. Um, there was an article the other day around fidelity and how they're making some changes because women are coming into great transference of wealth with inheritance in the next couple of decades. And also you'll see some commercials with Prudential that shows how women are really making the decisions in the household. So people are starting to pay attention to these numbers and the data that shows women are your market. So women, I say women are not a niche market. They are your market. And if your organization is not thinking about women with every decision that they make in their organization, they're missing their most prominent market. I agree so much with that. I think too that um, we're not looking enough going into the younger generation. Like, so here I am at 48 and had a starting point of, you know, trying to figure money out going forward. So the young girls of money, because, you know, should we be doing more to teach girls at that younger age on what handling money is and providing more support, I guess, when young girls have business ideas, right? Um, if adult women are underserved, I can only imagine what our female children are going through yeah. in not receiving that. It's true. And, you know, money is such a cultural thing. So many people say, when I grew up, you know, my father paid the bills and my mother stayed home. Or when I grew up, we never talked about money. Or when I grew up, it was impolite to talk about money. And we really need to change the conversation. Um, money is an, a necessary evil, if you will. You need to talk about it. You need to understand it. You need to know how to um, invest it, save it, pay your bills. You need to know how to not leak all of your money away and uh, not to just spend, 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 which is so, so happening so often. And we need to have these dialogues, these conversations with our, with our children. Um, I speak to college graduates about simple, basic fundamentals around um, budgeting and investing. And, and they say to me, we never learned this in school. Mm -hmm. uh, no one ever told me this. And, um, you know, and some schools will say, oh, yeah, you know, we have it in our accounting class or we have it in our um, home economics class or something. But that not everybody's taking those classes. And no. there's some very fundamental um, ideas around money that need to be shared and learned um, at all ages, all stages of the game. I have a daughter who's 24 and she says to me, her name's Farah. Farah says, where was, you know, when she asked me questions about budgets or she asked me questions about insurance because she has a little girl and mm -hmm. I, I tell people, uh, she came to me about two years ago, I guess her daughter's three. She came to me two years ago and said, what happens if I die? What happens to Roya? And I thought, oh, 
she gets it. Like she's mm-hmm. connecting. Right. And I love that. And so we sat down, we could have it. Cause I, she knew I talked about insurance. I've been very open with people. People know that my first language and financial services will always be insurance. I'm a huge believer in it. And um, mm-hmm. even people who speak investments, I always say, got it. You, you can't sell investments almost without having an insurance conversation. That's my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But from a holistic perspective, but you know, she said to me, no one ever had these conversations in school with us. So she said, basically budgeting or balancing a checkbook was like a maybe two weeks total in school. Yeah. You know, unless you were like went to school for accounting. She right. said, you're, you're not. And these are like basic everyday skills. I don't know how to handle a credit card. I don't right. know how, and I, and I hear the argument, Barb, when people say, well, parents should be teaching because they feel they go back to that private space where money is a dirty topic. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a taboo conversation. That's something that should be being taught in the home. Okay. That's great. But if in the home means that we're where we are today right now, which is people who are not educated and supported enough around money conversations and a lot of it being a behavioral aspect of it, because I have my own money conversations in my brain because of how I was raised. Right. Continue that on. How am I, you know, fostering the right kind of education to my 24 year old who's coming to me and saying, you know, Hey, you know, shouldn't I know about this stuff or why don't they teach us? So we're just not getting the support that we need. And I, and I say that for all children. I mean, I'll, I, I'll throw, you know, male and female children into that mix. I think as they come through it, men are fostered more often. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when it comes to the mathematics or that type of thing. They're getting a lot more support and education around than the girls are. But Mm -hmm. I do know that that's something that's I'm really concerned with, with young people and money to not feel weird about it. I agree. And there's just some very fundamental concepts that they're not taught in terms of filling out, you know, tax forms and how many deductions they're taking and the fact that that's the impact on your taxes at the end of the year. I mean, when I go through that concept that I've taught my children or I'm, I'm speaking to and people are like, oh, like they're starting to connect the dots. People are just making a, a lot of HR organizations, whatever, they might just be making assumptions that people know what all these forms are for, but when they're first into the um, into their careers, they really need to understand the impact. And it can be confusing. It can be a lot, but step by step, we can break it down and it can be easier to understand. And more employers, I think reputable employers are understanding that financial wellness is a key factor yes. in strong employees, right? It, it, overall. So right. having wellness programs are great, you know, preventative care shots, going to the doctor, mammograms, trucks that yeah. come up. I think that's all great. But having financial wellness as a piece of it rounds out that person, I think. So, yes, absolutely. You know. But, yeah. And that's, um, I've been going to, you know, hospitals and different small businesses and things like that. Hospitals, because women make, you know, 90 plus percent of the health decisions for the family as well. But how can they make those decisions if they don't understand their money and their financials and their income and the impacts of making health decisions based on what they can afford, what's affordable and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. there's every so aspect true. of your life. You need to really understand, you need to understand your financials. Agree. I know um, one of the things that you're passionate about this topic, and I definitely am with, I have three of my own kids. I also have two I fostered and raised to teenagers and student loan debt. I hear those three words 
my boyfriend um, works in the medical community, 45. He still has student loan debt. I'm 48. Yeah. I still have student loan debt. So wow. I know that it's something that's talked about a lot in social media. It's on written publications and it's an astronomical, um, it's, a, it's a tsunami of money problems. And, and women are carrying the, the schload of the debt around. Yes. You know what schload stands for. So yeah. the most recent statistic that I saw was in Fortune Magazine. They said that 44 million borrowers in the United States, the majority of which are women, um, and this is according to American Association of University Women. So this is a real study, a real organization report put together. Women represent 56% of those enrolled in American colleges and universities. And the report also revealed that women also take on more and larger student loan debt than men do. Yes. And because more women are getting ed their education and education is expensive. Yeah. I believe in ed education. I'm a doctor of education. I believe in investing in yourself, but only to the degree that you can afford it. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's in a master's program that's costing $50,000. And I told her, don't do it. It's way too expensive, but she's very well invested in this. And she really enjoys the program. It's an MBA and she feels like she'll get a good job when she gets out of school. But I still say that's, that's a huge amount of debt to be carrying. Now, a couple of things. They say one in seven um, or one in eight, it's, it's just around there, marriages fail because of student loan debt. Because that debt is, carries with you in your years of you know, wanting to get married, have children, have babies. You have that kind of debt following you around and you can't do much, right? You can't really buy a house if you have a $50,000 debt. Now, there are some companies, and I hope this catches on, um, that are starting to look at this issue for their employees and providing benefits to help them pay off those debts, which I think is something that is so powerful, so needed, and a great benefit for organizations to jump onto because this is really needed. And, of course, for women, because the debt is so heavy, think about it. They get less money per dollar than men do. So that's why they're slower to pay off the debt. And if they're leaving the workforce to care for children, a sick family member, whatever, they don't have income. So it's hard for them to make those huge payments to the debt. So you really need to think long and hard about taking on student loan debt. You know, it's funny. Um, so my main education, my father paid for, I went to a four-year university. He paid for most of it. I got roped into this idea 30s, 40, early 40s, that I need to go back to school to get more education. Never mind that I have worked in the same profession of <laughs> financial yeah. services since I was 19. But I got roped into this concept of if I wanted to compete for those better, larger paying positions, I need to go back to school to get more education. And in which case, of course, I can't go back to dad at 40 and go, hey, want to pay for my education? <laughs> That's not right. going to work. So I decided to go back. And I have to tell you, um, what I gained or garnered out of the additional education, I didn't need it. Mm -hmm. And so here I am. I mean, the, the good news is, is that I'm down into like the under 2000s. So we're like in the home stretch, right? Yes. Next year is the last year for it. And it's the same for my significant other too. But it's a long time to be paying on it, right? And yeah. to, to, to experience it. And I just didn't get out of it on the other side of it what the, the hope, the promise of more training. In the end, it, it came down to 
me going after jobs and working for companies that supported promoting me through the ranks, right? And yeah, and I and, and I was a little slow in the learning and around the curve around that. I wish, I hope that younger women listening to this don't get roped into you know go for more education. Really think about what Barb just said on what you just said, Barb about is this really going to give you a return? Right. Is this what's gonna, your return on your investment? Exactly. It's it's something because the the numbers are just true insanity when I yeah. look out there and I, it's, it, it's every day in the world that I work in that I see um, the financial reports coming up and it's student loan debt is huge. And I would also add to that for women, um, medical debt. Yeah. Medical debt's a big one. Women have to understand that they're going to likely outlive their male companions. Um, right. They're probably going to become a caregiver to some degree. They right. probably still have an adult child lingering around there somewhere that's leaning on them to, for help, which you and I both have the same view on that. Yeah. And so what are your professional thoughts around women, their longevity, especially as it pertains to money? Well, we need to start planning uh, now. Um, when should you start planning? Right now, today. Today, make a plan today because don't wait an, uh, an, an hour. Don't wait a six months, don't wait a year. Every woman, I don't care what age you are, need to have a retirement plan for yourself. And one that you can start even just chip away at it, chip, 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 because you won't be sorry for having that money in the bank and waiting for you. Anything could come up, anything could happen. So you need to really make sure you dedicate a, a retirement savings plan and pay it as you would a debt or a bill, because you need to invest in yourself. And you know, um, a man is not a plan, as they say. Amen. And you know, retirement planning is not for the wealthy. No, it's for all of us. It's for everybody. Yes. It's for everybody. Everybody has their own retirement plan that's specific to their need, right? Yes. And, and I hear people say, oh, well, I don't make enough money for retirement planning. And I'm like, yes, you do. Did you make a dollar? <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> you need a retirement plan. And especially if you're not making any money, you definitely need a retirement plan. Right. So think, and even my son, he just started a job um, where they have a 401k and a match. And I said to him, you match as much as you can. Explained it to him. If you don't, you're leaving money on the table. And he was proud to call me up the day that he had that all set up and ready to go. And he's, you know, 23. So you keep that money rolling in like that and you're going to have a pretty penny. Yeah. And it really does. I will tell you that... Um interestingly about 401k, something I want to make sure people listen, is you talk about working with women. I want every single woman to hear this, and that is, please, please, please go back and look at all your beneficiaries of every single thing that you have, because your 401k, your insurance, you know, your, your hopefully you have some estate planning documents and place your wills, whatever. Really look at who's benefiting from your passing to the next place because I'm going to be honest, even with everything that I know, getting divorced, I had a, a straggling 401k that I discovered, still had my ex-husband as a beneficiary. I was like, I change that. And so that's something else that I think we lose sight of where you know, having a resource like what you do at Purse Strings is a reminder that's looking yeah. out for them. Right. Right. You need, you need to have a, you know, like they say, more people plan their vacation than they plan their retirement. And I just think a six month check-in and it can be very easy. You know, you get a, a lockbox of some sort with some folders in it and you have everything in there at your fingertips. Don't overcomplicate it. 
um, and make sure people know where it is and what's in there. And, you know, spend 30 minutes every six months making sure you're going over it with your beneficiaries or those who are on your will or whatever so people know. Yeah, have that talk and be open with your kids because uh, it's uncomfortable for them too. They have to come to you and be like, Can, what's going to happen? You know, right. who wants to broach that topic? Right. Right. I right. mean, who wants to, I mean, I love my parents to death, but the last thing that I want to do is go, hey, dad. Yeah. You're pushing it, you know. <laughs> it's and there's a lot of good resources out now on how to ha- have those conversations and, and just being real about having it and not making it so scary. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I like to end our interviews with fun questions. You don't know what they are. Okay. It helps us get into the belly of Barb and figure out who you are as a person. And I love this. this is, and I do the same thing. I answer the questions too. So you aren't out there, you know, winging it alone. Okay. So here's the first question. When was the last time you took a rest? However you want to define that. A hiatus, a sabbatical, a vacation, a rest. Well, this is a very easy one because I just got back from a, a 10-day vacation in Hawaii. I, I know. I I've never you. been to Hawaii before. Oh, and really? It's your first I one? Never, okay. It was my first time. And, Which um, island? We went to Honolulu and then flew over to Kauai and spent a few days there. So um, it was uh, my, my boyfriend and I went there and... Um, it was the best time. It was an, it was a great amount of time just to relax more and more every day to the point where you didn't even know what day it was, what time it was, you know, if you were hungry or if you were thirsty, it was just like we were just vegged out and relaxed. So that was great. I've been to Oahu. It's, um, stunning. And I think people don't realize how many, uh, it's the ABC markets are like on every single corner. Yeah. Yeah. Like you literally walk two blocks and like, did I just, See one yeah. <laughs> down the road. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Those, them and the feral roosters. It was weird. I know, right? They're just yeah. kind of random. And then, um, so I've been there, but t- mine was 2016, so I'm way overdue. I went to yeah. Jamaica. Nice. Um, yeah, I want to say nice, but it was uh, in a different lifetime for me, I guess. Funny thing enough, even though I went with my, um, my ex at the time, and he was just all about wanting to hang at the pool and do nothing. I did a lot of the excursions uh, pretty much on my own nice. and rather enjoyed them. And so uh, I, I'm looking forward to, after I finish the book, Yeah, I tell people, I said, I'm, I'm tired of saying the word book at this point. The book. <laughs> I know. I finished the book. Uh, I told Daryl, I said, mew me, toes, sand, fruity drinks, mm-hmm. little umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. So that's coming up, but good. the book gotta get it done so how about this next one is who's your favorite singer oh my gosh i am so into bruno mars right now i love him he is just uh any song that comes on i have to get up and dance i know right you just want him to be your friend don't you yes and i so want to see him in concert um so yeah i've been really into him lately his music has been great so my favorite singer is still, I'm an 80s girl, and it was George Michael. And oh, really? I got to, yes, and I got to see him in concert in Chicago in your hood. Oh. I drove from St. Louis up to Chicago when he was doing his little world tour thing. And so Christmas time always reminds me of him because yeah. it's, you know, um, when he passed away on Christmas Day, and I just was like, 
I would say next to that would be Prince, who I also got to see in concert. And so um, anytime the 80s music comes on, but I like Bruno Mars. That was a yeah. good find about you. Oh, now I know. Yeah. Um, how about this one? What is something that you'll never do? Oh, something I'll never do? Mm -hmm. That's easy. I will never scuba dive. Oh, gosh. So that sounds I, like ultimate fear. To fear, me. right? Okay. So this is funny because Daryl is a huge scuba diver. And, really? Oh my gosh. And, and, and you have to scuba dive differently. Like if you go to Hawaii, which he scuba dived in Hawaii and you have to scuba dive differently there than you would like, let's say in Denver, because you okay. don't think about it from the altitude and how you come yeah. up and all. And I'm just looking at that the whole time going, no, I'm so good. So he said to me recently, he says, so if I go, I'm like, I'll be the one on the beach. Yeah. I'll hold your drink. I'll hold your space. Yeah. I'll get a tan. <laughs> But you go down there because what I remember when I went to the Cayman Islands, the guy who was on the catamaran who took us around, I'll never forget he was Australian. He had this really thick accent and he said, do you see this light blue water? Because we went out to do Stingray City. And he yeah. says, the light blue water and the dark blue water. Big fish in dark blue. I don't go there. I don't make enough money. <laughs> light blue. I will come here for you dark blue, you're on your own. Okay. And so ever since then, I'm always like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So I think I'm with you on that. And I'm, I probably don't think I could skydive. No, me neither. That's the other, I was those two things. Not for me. No, I know there's people I who do it, it and they come back and they're like, yeah. And I'm no. like, no, no, I don't need that in my life. No. No, I just don't think I could do that. So that was, uh, I, we're on the same page. See, we were meant to be friends. <laughs> so how do our listeners get in touch with you? What is the best way to contact you and find your resources? Sure. So my site is uh, purstrings.co. It's not com. It's just .co. Um, so purstrings.co, you can get all your resources there. And you can get me at uh, barb at bprovost.com. Wonderful. And we'll also include that on with the show notes and on your page when we post the podcast. So, Wonderful. Uh, you know, I thank the world of you, Barb. Um, it's thank been an you. amazing conversation. I cannot ever thank you enough for spending time talking with me and learning more about what you do. And now yeah. I know about Bruno Mars. So yeah. <laughs> I know, right? So I wanted to also tell the listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guests and the topics we covered in our show notes too. And if you love today's podcast, because I know that you did, we would like for you to subscribe and don't keep us a secret. Share it. Uh, make sure you tag hashtag females and finance in your post so that we can engage with you as well. And please remember The F Word. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you so much.